great truths, and certainly some great truths, even for a Sunday morning that we want to delve in. And so James chapter 4, and inside your bulletin, you should have found an outline. And we typically do this on a Sunday night, even a Wednesday night. We have an outline there. If you don't have one, we have plenty. There will be extras in the back. You can grab it afterwards. But we're going to go through this. You can fill in some blanks along the way, kind of keep up with where we're at. James chapter 4, it's a part of our study of the book of James. And we've come to this section, we've found and understood that it deals with the will of God in both his specific will, his general will, but also his will for every step of this journey called the Christian life. And so, boy, some great truth found deep within these verses. And we're going to get into it this morning, and I hope it's an encouragement, challenge to you. It's great for all ages. That's what I like about it. It doesn't matter what point you are in life, you are likely making plans and preparations for the future. And often that is the Achilles heel of humans is that the future is planned, it is prepared for, but we often leave out God. And we or we just pay him lip service, or we just give him a, a little iota of a word to say about it. But we ourselves are self-determinant. We, as we will see, are the lords of our own destiny in many ways. So James chapter 4, James is writing about it. Look with me just in verse 13. Kind of starts the section, the passage, and we looked at this pretty in-depthly last week. We're not spending much time on it, but uh, remind you what we saw. It says, go to now. Ye that say, and that go to now means listen, heed, pay attention. Go to now, ye that say. And so he's addressing a group of people, and they said this. Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. So you, you kind of understand that there's a, a statement there. Now, there was nothing inherently wrong in that statement of these people spoken in verse 13. We saw that. So what was the issue of verse 13? Well, it's not what is present, what is found in the verse, it is what is absent. We would put it this way, and you see it on your outline, God was excluded. God was excluded. He didn't play into that at all. Verse 13 does not say they went and sought the face of God. It does not say they went and asked God, should we do this? Ought we to have done this? Is this your will? Does this, is this what you want? They didn't do that. That was not present decisions were made plans were hatched without the consideration of what does god want what is his will we put it this way we call it a misidentified sovereign they were acting as the lords of their own destiny they were the lords of their own destiny they were the ones that were chosen we broke that verse around and i'll just spend a quick moment here uh, they chose their own determination today or tomorrow they chose their own destination such a city they chose their own duration will be there uh, maybe a year they chose their own uh, occupation will buy and sell they chose their own ambition to get gain all of this was their choice all of this was about what do i want my will my desire what i think is best they left out god we looked at first peter chapter 4 verses 1 through 4 remember it talks about before we followed the will of the gentiles the will of our own flesh now we are become christians children of god followers of jesus christ now we follow his will we follow after him jesus christ put it this way in mark chapter 3 in verse 35 for whosoever shall do the will of god you are family you are my brother my sister and mother you are part of god's family you do the will of god you heed you obey it you search it out 
Now, James then asserted that the foundation for the reasoning of verse 13, the thinking that was going on in their head, the foundation was corrupt. There was something wrong with it. And he breaks apart and presents these two truths that makes that foundation crumble right out from beneath them. Look at verse 14. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. And there is the key part. I think we put that there on your outline. It's the key part. Ye know not. You don't know. There's an uncertainty to it. Notice it. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even but a vapor that appeareth for a little time and that vanisheth away. The first thing we saw is understanding they had a mistaken confidence. A mistaken confidence. In what? Well, things they did not know. We saw, first of all, the mystery, or as we would add, the uncertainty of tomorrow. The mystery or uncertainty of tomorrow. They, they made an error in having confidence in the idea that they would see tomorrow. Oh, excuse me, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1. It says this, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not. Isn't that interesting? Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, he said, knowest thou, thou knowest not what tomorrow has. James came and says, Wait a minute, you don't know. You don't know. So Old Testament, New Testament, several times in between, we are told that we don't know what a day brings forth. Many of us are planning Thanksgiving meals with family this week. You know, there's a possibility you will not make it. You have tasted turkey for the last time. For some, that's a praise. For some, that's a a regret. You don't know. We don't know. And don't make light of reality is we just don't know. We don't know these things. We don't know the uncertainty of tomorrow. We conclude that those referenced in verse 13 had a mistaken confidence that their tomorrow would be there. And only God knows that. Only God knows which ones of us will see tomorrow. We'll see 2018 and beyond. Only God knows. So if that being the case, why would we spend and live any time or moment without God and His will heavily involved in our lives? You and I cannot afford to live a moment without God. So we concluded last Sunday night there. We, we kind of came to a close looking forward to this week. And yet, we pick up, we understand that in that same verse, verse 14, James, uh, he said there's one other issue. Not just the uncertainty, the mystery of tomorrow, but there is the brevity of life. He asks a question, you saw it there. He said this, what is your life? Hey, what is your life? You and I may look back, and the more years we add to it, we look back and we say, hey boy, I've lived a long life. Well, look at it from eternity's perspective, and you know what you've lived? If that. Nothing. It's, it's been nothing. And the time ahead. For many of us, we've, we've gotten to the top of the hill, we're looking down, or we're rolling down the other side, depending on how fast we're going. Fact is, most of life is behind us. And yet the Bible says, what is your life? It's easy for us to think for a moment and conclude what is life and what it's not. Well, we know that life is not fixed. The Bible says a a three score and ten years and as the average of the human life. And yet the reality is this. No man is guaranteed. This week in our prayer request time on Wednesday night, we heard a, a young man, I believe 48 years old, died. We hear all the time. I I read an article yesterday. A a five-year-old boy died. Tragic accident, but died. There is no fixed length of life. There is no fixed number of days. And we know it is not permanent. It's not fixed. It's not permanent. It is not eternal. But we do know that life is brief. 
short. It's frail. It is like, uh, as he says here, it is even a vapor. Even a vapor. It is what we would call a transitory puff of smoke. Here and gone. I knew this was not work. Matches. I asked Brother Tony, I said before, do you have some matches? Because mine aren't going to work. Let's pretend it lit. Yeah, okay, we could be here all night. Well, at least you know I don't smoke. (sighs) Let's try a different one. Uh, Somebody probably spit on these before I... (laughs) Okay, we could be here all day. This is least entertaining. All for the sake of an illustration. Brother Aaron... Apparently, I stink at this. This is unbelievable. Hey, never buy Kroger brand matches. Okay, let me just... <laughs> clearly, it's the brand. That's the... Oh, thank you. All right, now, let's get back to the illustration, okay? <laughs> the Bible says what? It's a vapor, right? We see the smoke, and soon it's gone. And we can watch it and trail it in the sky. But It's gone. And you and I, boy, Erica's been putting together some pictures of our kids, and you're like, man, I look old, they look young, <laughs> I look older, they look, you know, but they're growing up. And, they're, and you know, you realize it's but a vapor. So sure, life is brief. And the things that we spend it on, the things that we do with it, my, without the will of God consideration, okay, Remind me not to drink that, okay? So let me make sure that uh, it's short. It's like that. I mean, look at it. You look at the smoke. It's, it's quickly gone. You know, the Bible goes more than saying it's but a vapor, though. I like these descriptions. Real quick, it says it's a fading shadow. Psalm 102 and verse 11. My days are like a shadow that, that declineth. Um, uh, it goes on, and, and I am withered like grass. It's like dissipating smoke. We just saw that. For my days are consumed like smoke or even a vapor. My bones are burned as, a, as, a, as an hearth. We know this one well. Uh, verse 11 there said it, but First Peter chapter 4 says it too. It's like withering grass. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The, the grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. The Bible says, and I like this one, it says a passing wind. Job 7, 7, oh, remember that my life is wind. Mine eye shall no more see good. And this is one of my favorite because if you've ever seen it, it says it's like a weaver, as swift as a weaver's shuttle. You ever see the old kind of when they're weaving and they throw that shuttle across all that yarn and that thread? And boy, they fly. I mean, some of those people have it down. And that's what he's looking at. He says, wow, just as quick as that shuttle flies across, that's how short my life is. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. Now that's our life. And that can be pretty disturbing if at one time we thought, well, my life, boy, from my perspective, my life is forever. Our young people, they, they look at their lives and say, oh, man, this seems like forever. I've been a kid forever, a child, whatever. And we look at it, but, hey, our life is brief. It's temporary. It's not fixed. It's not guaranteed. But, you know, here's the good news. That's what James is getting to. He says, listen, now, all that our life is not, God is. He's not temporary. 
He's fixed. He, he's permanent. He, he is unchanging. He is everlasting. How foolish we are to reject him and his will for our lives. If he is everything that our life is not, and certainly if he is the author and creator of it, we ought to give him credence. Mark it down. We've established life is short, but eternity is long. These Christians were planning their next year without regard to God and His will. And yet, sadly today, there are many Christians who are doing the same. They're planning their entire lives. It is even but a vapor. It's it's just a little bit of smoke and it's quickly gone. And yet we are planning our entire lives without God. Without consideration of what is God's will. Some Some are planning their marriages without consulting God's will. Some are making college plans without seeking God's will. Some are are planning retirement. Some are planning moving. Some are planning job changes. All without going to God and asking Him what they should do with the rest of their life. No counsel of the Creator allowed to, to come in or it's given very little credence. How sad it is that some of us don't even acknowledge the one who has given us life, listen, knows best how to spend life. The one who's imparted life to us for however long it is, how sad it is when we reject him and ignore him to tell us how to live this life. We put this on your outline there. It's a great statement. With this life being so short, we cannot merely spend our lives. And most certainly, we must not waste our lives. But oh, my friend, we must invest our lives in God's will. His work. Things that are eternal question ought not to be how are you spending your life the question ought to be how are you investing it what are you doing for god how are you following his will and i'll tell you just follow god's will and that is investing yourself your life in eternal things truly consider this morning how foolish it is for anyone but especially a christian to plan any part of this brief life without the input of a sovereign god how do we count our lives? Well, sadly, just a, a, a month and a half ago, I had another birthday. We count our lives by birthdays, right? By years. You know what the Bible says? Teach us to number our, our days. Here we are. We get used to the length of life. We, we ignore the, the, the brevity of it. Reality is, God says to you and I, number your days. David said it, Psalm chapter 90, I believe it was, in verse 12. Teach us to number our days. I don't know how long I have to live. I don't know how much time I have left. I don't know when the vapor will disappear of my life. But I do know this. There is a will that God has for me to follow. Am I following it? And then with every decision I face, everything that comes before me to make a decision about, am I consulting the one who lives in the present and in the past? And praise be to God in the future. He is omniscient, He is omnipotent, and He is my God. Too often we have so much confidence in our tomorrow that you and I will live here on earth another day, another week, another month, another year to come that we plan our lives without giving God and His will our proper place. Hey, what's your relationship this morning with God and His will? You may know God, but are you following His will? Both His general will, we'll see it tonight even laid out in His Word, but also His specific will for your life. See, the Holy Spirit is given to you and I to indwell us and to guide us into all truth. 
So that though the Word of God may not speak specifically to something in a decision that you and I face, the Holy Spirit within us can use the truth of God's Word to guide us to find God's will for that decision. He has not left us clueless. Our God is not the God of confusion. He is the God of truth. So our God will guide and direct us. Hey, young person, how about you? We, we said that they had a misidentified sovereign. Who's the sovereign of your life? Are you in charge? Are you making all, are you calling all the shots? This is what I'm gonna do. This is the occupation. This is who I'm gonna marry. This is where I'm gonna live. This is what church I'm going to. This is what I'm gonna do. Are you making all the calls? Are you calling all the shots? Or is it God? Is it God that's determined that? Is he the sovereign? Verse 13 is a condemning statement. It plays out then in verse 16. Notice it. Look down at verse 16. But now ye rejoice in boastings. Mm. All such rejoicing is evil. Well, we would term it this way. You see it on your outline there. Misplaced praise. Misplaced praise. Praise. Do you remember what Proverbs chapter 27 verse 1 said? Boast not thyself of tomorrow. Don't boast about it. Don't say, well, boy, man, I, hey, tomorrow I'm going to do this and do this without taking into concept and consideration if God wills. You know, there's an old saying, and it gets in us. It, certainly we pick it up, and I hope it's more than just a statement, more than just cliche, just something we say, a, a Baptist jargon, however you want to describe it. I hope it's more than that. We'll say, maybe in prayer or in speaking, well, if God wills. Well, that's literally what this passage is speaking of, and it mentions it here in a moment. It used to be a saying, if, um, if God wills and the creek don't rise, amen? God willing and the creek don't rise. Maybe that's more down south, but anyway. Um, that's the same. It's bringing this thought up. Okay, wait a second. I can't boast of tomorrow. I don't know. We'll make the plans, but it's all up to God. And we'll see a verse here in a moment. But there's boasting. Boasting. Solomon spoke of it in Proverbs 27. James speaks of it here. So what is this boasting? Well, number one, we see it as a boasting that disregards some basic truth, some great truths, three of them really. Number one is this, disregards great truths of life. Number one, I can't control it. I can't control life. If I could, it would be 73 degrees outside, sunny for the whole year round. Now, if I could control it, that'd be great. My car would never break down. Nothing would go wrong with the house. Everything would be perfect. If I could control it, things would be pretty good from a human perspective. But this kind of boasting of tomorrow, we're, we're disregarding the truth that I can't control. I, I can't know even. Not only can I can't not control it, but number two, I can't know what tomorrow brings. I don't, we know not, James says. And number three, God is the only sovereign author of the future who alone is knowledgeable or cognizant of the future. He's both the author and he is the only one that knows the future. So in this statement, they're boasting here. They disregarded these basic truths. I can't control the future. I don't even know what the future holds. And number three, God is the only one that knows it and he is the author of the future. They disregarded all of it. Number two, notice it. They disregarded, or excuse me, it is a boasting that is presumptive. It presumes that tomorrow. And what did they say in verse 13? Oh, we're going to tarry there a year. 
So in the case of verse 13, the next year, now notice this. It presumes that it is already in their possession to spend. It's already in their possession. Oh, yeah, we got this whole year planned out. And, boy, we're just going to go at it. And, and we're just going to plan it out. And we're going to have it. Listen, last, last Sunday night we said it's a good thing to plan. The Bible speaks of planning. Go to the ant. Learn her ways. It is good to prepare and, and, and to uh, plan. That's not what this is speaking of. But it means planning and preparing with the will of God in mind. Because God's going to guide us and direct us according to his perfect will. But here, no, they were presumptive. They assumed it was already in their possession. Here it gets personal. It was self-confidence. Boasting was self-confident. Their own strength, their own ability to see their own plans accomplished and fulfilled. It was all while leaving out God of the planning process. Maybe they paid him lip service. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't even say, if God wills. It certainly doesn't seem like it from verse 13. So they were self-confident in their own plans, their own ability to accomplish it. And I like this one. It was boasting that was self-congratulatory. Boasting that was self-congratulatory. That's really what this verse really hits on. These people were no doubt speaking about it. They were bragging about it. What were they bragging about? Their gain. Hey, hey, we're going to go over there. We're going to come back different people. I'm going to come back a different person. I'm going to have more money than I know what to do with. Their gain. Hey, when I do this, when I finish this, when I, boy, when I retire, I'm going to be sitting pretty. I'm going to have everything laid out. Hmm. No, because it's just self I mean, I've worked so hard. I've done all this. I've got it prepared. And boy, I'm ready. I, I set myself up pretty. What is your life? It is even but a vapor. You don't know. We see this, and certainly it plays out. They, they hear, were celebrating their own ingenuity, their own planning skills, but they uh, were flauntingly failing to take into account God and His will. Not to mention the frailty, the brevity of life, the uncertainty of tomorrow. I can't help when I read this. I, I can't think or help but thinking of uh, this boasting of tomorrow and probably the two most egregious boastings we found in the entire scriptures. Certainly there could be debate about uh, what they are, but certainly two of the top five, two of the top ten. Can't help but think that are found there. Turn with me, if you will. We're, we're going to look at, as an example of this type of boasting. Turn with me, Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. This is during the life of Christ. In fact, it is an interaction you'll see with Peter and his disciples. And in our Sunday school classes, boy, if you haven't been in Sunday school adult classes, we'd love for you to join us. We are studying in our adult classes the, the life of Peter, the discipleship of Peter. It's good for every one of us as followers of Christ. But in Matthew chapter 26, look at verse 31. Now, this is Christ's last encouragement, his last, uh, what you would say, uh, lecture, teaching time to his disciples. They just got done with the Last Supper, and so they're on their way uh, to the Mount of Olives and so forth. And so um, he's about to be arrested. But notice verse 31. Okay, verse 31, Matthew chapter 26. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye, and he's speaking to his disciples, All ye shall be offended. Because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. Now listen, he's saying, listen, something's going to happen tonight. And he'd already kind of told him what's going to transpire. Hey, you're going to flee like when we turn on the light and the mice go (laughs) scurrying. 
Like taking care of the shepherd and the sheep just run away. They have no direction. You folks, you men are going to be offended for my sake. That's going to be you. Well, we know Peter. Look at verse 32. Excuse me. He adds, but after I'm risen again, I will go for you in Galilee. Verse 33. Then Peter answered and said unto him. Now notice this statement. Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. That's some kind of boasting there, isn't it? And we think of what we just talked about, and he is the perfect example. He certainly disregards the great truths of life. You can't even control the future. Peter's no doubt was taken by surprise what transpired in the, in the garden and then later outside the, the judgment hall and so forth. He was presumptive about the future. Oh, I will never. He was obviously self-confident and self-congratulatory. Hey, all these people, all these other guys, yeah, I can see James doing that. Oh, yeah, John, oh, yeah, he'll run like a tail between us, like Bartholomew. He's probably already started running. And he is, boy, look, but, but though they are all offended, I never will be. Then Christ brings it down to a little bit more real. Isn't that neat how Christ knows the exact future? Notice the next verse. He says it. Verse 33, uh, 34, excuse me. Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me three times. Thrice. What? Peter just gets done boasting and boasting and boasting. Jesus Christ looks up and says, Hey, Peter, come here. That cock's going to crow three times or excuse me he's gonna he's gonna crow once you're gonna deny me three times hmm three times now you know what that is now listen to me that is god revealing the future to peter now how should peter have acted i think peter should have right there confessed him <laughs> if i'm going to do this man father give me grace and strength not to do it help me if that's going that what lies ahead help me not to father I, or christ i want to follow you teach me how i should handle i mean he should have immediately took that as gospel truth and said okay i need to change this but that's not what he says look at verse 35 35 peter saith unto him though i should die with thee yet will i not deny thee and it's powerful boasting. And even if it's going to cost me my life. And then just a few verses later, what do, we, what do we hear? Hey, you were with him. No, I wasn't. Hey, you were one of them. No, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, 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 you, you were. No, no, I wasn't. Leave me alone. <laughs> and then that cock crowed. Do you think Peter thought of that statement? <laughs> I told him, though I should die with him. And here I am cowering in fear, lying and denying him. And God's word is right. Now listen to me, person, friend. Hey, Christian, we have a whole lot of God's will right here. And it says a whole lot about when you and I fail to obey it, what will happen? We'll heap to ourselves sorrow. There are things that we will cause in our life, and yet we are like Peter. In fact, can I tell you, did you read the rest of that verse ahead of me? Verse 35, the last part, likewise also said all the disciples. John and James, yeah, we'll never do that. Yeah, we surely die. Bartholomew and Nathaniel, I mean, yeah, that's us. We're, we're, we'll die. And who stayed around with him in the garden? Big fat goose egg. Nobody. 
They all ran. Some of them even leaving their outer cloaks behind. (laughs) They were in such a hurry to get away. Now, can I tell you, my friend, they knew what was going to happen. Would to God that they had, even in that moment, said, oh, wait a minute, we can't let that happen. I don't want to fail like that. And so Christ, help me in that moment. Help me to have the strength to, to stay true to you. And we look at them and say, man, why couldn't they stuck around? Well, why can't you and I stick around to God's will? Why can't we follow it? Why don't we? We know the end. Hey, the Bible is clear. If you do my will, we read it this morning in our Sunday school class. If you know these things and do them, happy are ye. You're blessed. But boy, if you and I fail to follow God and incorporate God and His will into our lives, ooh, it'll come back on us. Now the second one, that's the, the first boasting, I think. Second, real quick, Luke chapter 12. Turn with me there. Luke chapter number 12. Luke chapter number 12. Look down with me, verse number 16. I want you to see, you keep an eye out as we read this passage, keep an eye out for the examples of the type of boasting that James speaks of in James chapter 4, played out in the story of the rich man. That's Luke chapter 12. We look in verse 16. Jesus Christ teaching, speaking a parable. And he spoke a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. So he's being blessed. Notice this. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. Now, can I tell you, the first thing you ought to do is stop and pray and ask God. You ought to seek God's will. You ought to be in His Word and know His general will and then pray about God guiding and directing through His Spirit and God's Word to show you His specific will for your life. But He does not do that. He asks Himself. He thinks within Himself. There's no consideration of God and His will. Verse number 18. And He said, not God said, not God directed, not God guided. And He said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. What a statement. Boastful, self-congratulatory, self-confident. He goes on, verse 20, or God speaks. But God said unto him, Thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Now I would say this. Is it talking about giving to God and laying up treasures in heaven? Most assuredly. But listen to me. You and I can be rich towards God. Not just with our money, but with our lives. With our time with our planning, with our preparation. This man was not rich towards God. He didn't even allow God in the planning room. He didn't take into consideration. He did not stop and pray and ask God, God, what would thou have me to do? What do you want in my life? It's all there. Self-confidence, self-congratulatory attitude, disregard of those basic truths of life, presumption of the future. Too often, as this rich man did, you and I can lose sight of a simple verse found in Scripture, Proverbs 16, 33. The lot is cast into the lap. You can plan it. You can make all the plans and preparations. But the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. 
Can I tell you, I think you ought to plan for the future. You ought to plan for retirement. We ought to leave things to our children. The Bible even speaks of that. Those are things that we ought to plan and prepare for. But if you make that the goal of your life and that becomes self-absorbent in how you do it and when you do it, to what degree you do it, is made up in your mind without consideration of God, it will backfire on you. You can lay up treasures. You can make plans to build great buildings. And you could be turned into a fool just like that. Because you have failed to consult your God. we may not say it and we may not boast of it we may not make it a a point in our lives but the fact is this there's too many people and sadly includes some christians we've joined the author not a very good guy we've joined him william ernest henley in his bold prideful statement found in his famous poem invictus he wrote this statement It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Hey, is that your attitude this morning, Christian? Hey, young person, is that your attitude? I'm the captain of my soul. I'm the master of my fate. I get to decide how to live my life these next few days, this next few months, this next year. What's going to happen? What's going to transpire? I am the master. There was a man that said that he was a great and mighty man had a whole lot of wealth in fact so much he had to tear down his existing barns and build new ones and yet the god of all creation appeared to him one night and he said this thou fool thou fool now i don't know about you but this morning as a christian a follower of jesus christ i don't want to be a fool I want to acknowledge that God is perfect. God has a will to be known and followed. And ultimately, because God has given me a free will, it's my choice to follow Him. One of the most basics, we'll see it tonight, or we'll remind ourselves of it tonight. One of the most basic parts of God's revealed will will for us, excuse me, in the Word. You know this? God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We're here this morning, we're talking about God's will, knowing it and following and not disregarding it, not saying I'm the master of my own soul, I, 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 I'm the captain of my own life. and I, Not saying that, but saying, okay, wait a minute, God's will is this, that all should come to repentance, that all should be saved. It starts with you and I putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You want to know God's will and follow it? It starts one place, salvation. It starts what we would say at the foot of the cross. Coming and understanding that I am a sinner as the Bible declares me to be. That Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world as the Bible declares Him to be. And that God will save me as the Bible declares that He will do. As I put my faith and trust in Him. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved following and knowing God's will starts there at the foot of the cross and then as you and I as Christians as we grow up in Christ then every day decisions that are made father this is what I face today and I need to bring it before you because I want to please you I want to glorify you and so father this is the decision I need to know your will I need to know exactly what you want me to do how we as a family ought to operate 
the small details to the big ones. We simply are acknowledging, I am not the master of my fate. Neither am I the captain of my own soul. For this short and brief life that I have been given, I will follow my Lord. Disregarding of God's will. Have we done it? Who's the sovereign? Who's in control? Have we looked at our own life and we make our plans and we boast of them and yet we don't take God into consideration? Hey, tonight, I I want you to come back. I want you to see two truths. Okay, one, disregarding. Number two, disobeying the will of God. And then number three, discovering and doing the will of God. We're going to share with you from scriptures how you can know God's will, both generally and specific for your life. Hey, young people, join us tonight. But before then, let's make sure where confession is needed, let's confess. Father, I haven't fallen your will. Lord, we made this decision and this decision, and, and I made this decision. I didn't take you into account, Father. I, I didn't even think to ask you, or I asked you, but I kind of just ran roughshod over you. How about it, Christian? Commitment is needed to follow God's will day in and day out for the rest of our lives. I like that verse, forgive me. And if you do them, happy are ye. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, what a great truth it is from this passage concerning your perfect will for us. Father, I'm amazed that you promised us perfect peace as we honestly follow your perfect will. As our mind is stayed on you and we trust you that you know what's best. And Father, we, we conform our life to your guidance and direction. And so, Lord, smite our hearts this morning in those areas, even those thoughts where we are not following your will, where we have disregarded you, where we have become the sovereign of our own lives. Lord, where we've put confidence in our tomorrows, where we've put confidence in our plans, smite our hearts. May we be convicted this morning from young to old, and may we come back to put our lives, our future, our tomorrows, our possessions in your hands. May your will, your wishes be our command. Father, may we this morning take our own desires and wills and mold them to your will. May our life perfectly follow what you have shown us in your word and what your Holy Spirit reveals to us. Lord, may we understand, may we daily live in the realization that we are blessed, happy, have perfect peace when we follow your will for our lives. Help us.